the book is basically it's two parts it's a cookbook memoir so it's a memoir which means it's a story the story is my journey into becoming a professional chef and also my journey into opening a restaurant and then closing that restaurant and then sort of everything that's been going on in my life since then um, and it's also a cookbook in the sense that it has 18 recipes in it and each one of those recipes just gets inserted right into the story it follows um, if i speak about a food memory i follow that chapter with the recipe for that food um, it's kind of a new genre it's kind of a hot genre and it definitely uh, is um, a combination of both of my true loves in this life which are food and words so i've combined them both into one book <laughs> Welcome to The Improvement Project, a podcast about being a better human through good habits, challenging yourself, learning from a wide range of experts, and celebrating all of the little wins along the way. I'm Dr. Peggy Malone, a healthcare provider and human being, trying my best to be better and encouraging others to do the same. I'm in London, Ontario, Canada, and this week, my disciplined about accountability partner, Jenny, gets a little break. She is a marketing professional from St. Thomas, Ontario, a small town gal, and a big believer in the power of habits. We know from research and from our year of monthly habit challenges, how our daily choices impact and ultimately create our lives. So we're getting intentional about our habits and we hope to inspire you to become more disciplined, more consistent, happier, healthier, more productive, and overall your own best self. Today's episode is episode 118 of the Improvement Project. And today we are welcoming back a special guest, Chef Yoda. Yoda Olenek is the chef and owner of Yoda's Kitchen in London, Ontario. She makes healthy food from scratch with local ingredients and lots of love. Yoda and I met almost a decade ago when she was starting her business and I was a business mentor that got paired with her through a program in St. Thomas. It's been pretty fantastic to watch her journey ever since. Now, you may remember that we talked to her back in episode 88 as she was getting ready to publish her book. Well, after a delay due to COVID, her book, Salt and Sour, My Recipe for Starting Over, is finally here. So I wanted to check in with her and have her share some behind-the-scenes stories about the process of writing, launching, and marketing this book, as well as some of the excitement surrounding this book launch. So please enjoy this conversation with Chef Yoda, who is now also published author Yoda. Yoda, welcome back to The Improvement Project. Thanks so much, Peggy. I'm so excited that you're here. So you may know that in each episode, we do a segment that we call, ooh, me likey. And last week <laughs> in episode 117, my contribution to this segment was to tell a story about my recent vacation uh, where I took a book that I read and it had me hunkered down and hiding from John and my sisters and my brother-in-law for a <laughs> whole day while I was reading it. I only came out briefly for food and to pee and I was completely entranced and I could not put it down. So that book, of course, was your book, Salt and Sour, My Recipe for Starting Over. And Yoda, can I just say, <laughs> congratulations on such an amazing piece of work. It's so good. As I told Thank our listeners, so as I told our listeners last week, it was honest, it was raw, vulnerable, compelling, and just awesome. And even though I know you and I knew some pieces of the story before reading this book, I was still cheering you on like from start to finish. <laughs> it was so great. Thank you so much. I'm very honored that you not only read it, but that you loved it. I know you read a lot of books, so that, that means a lot coming from you. <laughs> 
Oh, awesome. Okay. One of the things that I would love, and, and I know that some of our listeners probably did hear the episode um, 88, but if you could give our listeners a synopsis of the book and what it's about and what they can expect when they read it. Sure. Yeah. So um, the book is basically, it's two parts. It's a cookbook memoir. So it's a memoir, which means it's a story. The story is my journey into becoming a professional chef and also my journey into opening a restaurant and then closing that restaurant and then sort of everything that's been going on in my life since then. Um, and it's also a cookbook in the sense that it has 18 recipes in it. And each one of those recipes just gets inserted right into the story. It follows, um, if I speak about a food memory, I follow that chapter with the recipe for that food. Um, it's kind of a new genre. It's kind of a hot genre. And it definitely uh, is um, a combination of both of my true loves in this life, which are food and words. So I've combined them both into one book. Fantastic. All right. Now, of course, you've just mentioned it because you're a chef and much of this book details your journey into becoming mm -hmm. a chef and your experiences, good and bad, associated with the food yeah. world. Yeah. I feel like you have so brilliantly woven themes of cooking and food throughout the whole book and I just love it. So one of the things that I would love for our listeners, if you would read the words on the back cover of, of your book, of because I, f I feel like they're perfect. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and it's, it's funny, funny, kind of interesting story about that is I only, I didn't go with the, this particular back cover until just squeezed it in right before the print date. Cause I had a di totally different back cover. And um, this one was one of the ones that was kind of lingering in the back of my mind. And then last minute, I kind of pulled the trigger and decided, no, let's go with cover B. And I'm so glad that I did because it's gotten a lot of really great uh, feedback. All right, let's hear it. Um, Salt and Sour is a compilation of stories of resiliency, love, trauma, and loss mixed with tempting recipes that are sprinkled throughout. The only special equipment required is an open heart. Ingredients. One spirit, lightly beaten. One soul, rinsed thoroughly. One family, halved. One human being, drained. One heart, crumbled, preserved in love. One heaping cup of gratitude. Half a cup of girl power. Two tablespoons of hope, torn into bite-sized pieces. A sprinkle of faith. A bunch of therapy. A dash of magic. Method. Fill a large bowl with chaos and gently fold in some time. Add a pinch of betrayal and one heaping cup of consequences set aside. Next, gather your ingredients for starting over. This may take years. Add some patience. If you cannot find patience, grace and self-compassion are great substitutes. Whisk everything into a story. Do not overmix. Beating yourself up will yield a tougher result. Leave in a sunny spot and wait. Season with humility and tenderness to taste. When you're ready, invite family and friends over. Savor every bite. So Ooh, good. So I got good. goosebumps when I read that. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I love it so much. It's just Thank perfect. You. All right. Yeah. So um, I re-listened to our last chat that was on episode 88 of the Improvement Project. And we talked a little bit about meal planning. And then we dug into some of the habits that you had to incorporate into your life in order to take on the big task of writing this book. Mm -hmm. So I just was hoping that you could remind us of what daily habits allowed you to stay consistent to get this book to the finish line. Right. Well, I would actually say that getting this book to the finish line was not 
Um, consistent is not the word that I would use. Okay. Um, typically, I am a person who um, uh, like loves to follow, like loves to develop habits and then kind of holds on to them tightly. I'm a little bit type A of a person, especially when it comes to like my business affairs. But with the, the book was a totally different um, thing for me. And p- part of that is because it was a truly personal story. And it's kind of like every time I was writing, I was going to like a therapy session or something. And who wants to do that, you know, five <laughs> hours every day until the book is finished. So really what I did was something that I've really never done in my adult life, which is I listened to myself when I was writing this book and listened to what my body really needed and what my heart really needed. So that required me taking huge breaks from the book. So instead of actually sitting down and writing 3000 words a day or 5000 words a day or anything like that, I actually took at one point I took like three months off from writing entirely. Another time I took like five months off from writing. So it wasn't necessarily a consistent line from start to finish. If you, I know you've read the book, so section three and four um, were sort of happening in lifetime while I was writing the book, which was really interesting. And I just had to be super duper kind to myself and take some of that pressure off um, of getting the book done. I went through periods where I thought the book was never even going to be finished or ever come out. And uh, I had to push through those moments and decide that I really, really wanted it. And then when that came and I had hired an editor and I had uh, invested in the book, I realized that, okay, for this to get done, I have to develop some writing habits. So when that came to be, I sort of consulted some blogs and I was listening to some podcasts, yours being one of them, and trying to really dig into like, how can I develop some habits around my writing practice? Because at the time I was also working a full-time job as a caterer, as you know, so the, the one thing that really, really helped me was um, every single morning I would write at least for an hour. So for me, that meant getting up one hour earlier. It's not like I just pulled an hour out of the air. I had to physically get my body up when I was groggy and tired, but I did it every single day except Sundays. I gave myself one day off a week and I just wrote for that hour and I didn't do anything else. I keep my phone in my bedroom. Um, I, you know, didn't put music on or anything like that. I just sat down on my computer and wrote some days I would write the whole time and write like a couple thousand words. Other times I would write like four sentences and just be like frustrated and what a waste of an hour. But in the end, that is what got my book from meh, maybe it'll come out. Maybe it won't. Maybe I'll finish it. Maybe not to the finish line was that commitment to an hour every single morning. That's amazing. And there really is something magic about the hours when it's potentially still dark and nobody else is awake yet. They seem to have magic in them for real. Yeah, totally. And people would tell me that beforehand. And I was like, I'm not getting up at six. I already get up at seven and I'm already a productive morning person, right? Like I I run in the mornings. I I get a lot done. And I was like, I'm not doing an extra hour of that. But honestly, in the end, I know that I'm a morning person. I think that's an important key. Some of your listeners might be thinking, I don't think that's going to work for me. You know yourself. So if it means um, taking an extra hour at lunch to do that writing, or if it means, um, you know, renting an office space and doing it an hour every evening, that might be better for you. But for me, it was definitely that extra hour every morning. 
So you've already said that you're type A and I know you're very disciplined. Did you have any mm -hmm. accountability built in? Did you have anybody holding you accountable or was it just your own, your own self? Well, once I, once I hired a professional editor, she was in some ways my accountability buddy. I use the word buddy kind of loosely because she was definitely putting the pressure on me, <laughs> um, which in the end was a really uh, good thing. I think for me, like once I had invested money into it, um, that meant that was like my own accountability saying like, okay, if I don't get this done by the deadline I've been given, then, then that's my own doing. And uh, like you said, I am quite disciplined. And at that point I had also started a social media um, campaign for my book. And there was a lot of people that, I mean, if I would have come to them and said, Hey guys, just kidding. I'm not actually putting the book out. I, so that was a little bit of fuel feel under my butt as well. Yeah, that's some, that's some pretty intense <laughs> accountability actually is all those people. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Exactly. Um, now I did mention briefly that the book was supposed to come out on April 20th, I believe 2020. That's then right. Of, yep. But then of course the COVID. So I know that that was a big disappointment. And as yes. Jenny and I say on the podcast on the regular, you win or you learn. And I think okay. that that statement applies across the board for the entire story that you tell in this book but specifically mm -hmm. related to the learn of having to delay your launch. Yeah. Can you share with our listeners what you learned through the process of delay and then what that meant in terms of launching and marketing a book in the time of COVID? Yes. So also, also one more thing. I would also yeah. love it if you would share the story of the significance of the date, August 20th. Sure. Yeah, of course. So, um, so as you mentioned, yeah, my book was meant to come out on April 20th. And I know um, back when we recorded episode 88, it was, uh, that was part of the marketing. We were, I was on your guys' podcast and we were sort of releasing the release date. And um, I didn't actually get the news that April 20th was a no-go until April 10th. Oh, wow. Uh, it all had to do with the printing company behind Amazon. And I got this very like curt email from like a mass email thread went out to self-published authors everywhere saying, Due to COVID, we're not shipping books from the warehouses to Canada. And I honestly read that email and my heart just sank. And it was at a time, I mean, I don't know if you remember April 10th, that was when the world was in massive panic and disarray and everything felt heavier and worse than it was at that time. And I honestly just uh, used my like emotional toolbox and I tried to rationalize it with myself and tell myself, you know, it's not meant to be right now, but it'll, it'll still come. It'll just be later than you thought. And it was, I was pretty gutted because it was like, I had this big momentum building up to that date. And then it was just kind of ripped out from under me. So what I've learned is that that is life pandemic or not, that is life. And I'm, as I was, as I was going through my own disappointment, I was witnessing everyone in my life was losing something, whether it was their wedding date or, um, you know, their, their own launch of their own business or a vacation or whatever it was, everyone was disappointed in one way or another at the beginning of COVID. Right. Sure, so yeah. I, I definitely didn't feel alone in my disappointment, um, which was, which was comforting for sure. So on the 20th, I decided to do an Instagram live of a book reading as kind of a, this is me letting go this date. A lot of people attended that live and I felt super duper supported. And um, that was really a catalyst for like changing my own mindset around that date. And then what happened was from April until August, I had this whole 
couple month period of being with my book as a finished product without it being out in the world. And I'm even getting goosebumps on my own skin as I talk about that because I'm so grateful for that gift of that time. Because what I realized is that time gave me like four months to basically mentally and energetically prepare for the release of my book out into the world. Because my book's been out for a month today and I did not realize everything that was going to come to pass once I released my book. And I, I'm not sure if April 20th was the right time now that I look back. It's, you know, in my book, I mentioned timing being a big factor in my life. And what I've realized about that, that uh, delay is that in the end, it was perfect, the perfect time. Um, so once I decided to, um, sort of go ahead and try to release my book without Amazon, which is very expensive and not easy at all. Um, just because I kept getting messages from them saying it's delayed, it's delayed, it's delayed. Every week I was getting an update from them. So I contacted a private printing company in Canada, which I was really pleased with because you know that I'm a huge supporter of local and, and all that. So I found a Canadian printing company. We went, sent emails back and forth for a couple weeks, maybe three weeks or so. And, um, they approved my book and they said, we need the following edits. If you can get these done by said date, uh, the new release date of your book is going to be August 20th of this year. And as soon as I saw that date, I was like, oh my goodness, talk about timing. Because August 20th is the, was the three year anniversary of the day my restaurant closed, which is just like the book starts with August 21st, 2017, um, because that was the first day after my restaurant closed. So as soon as I saw that email, I was like, thank you universe for sending me this brilliant timing and sort of all that, uh, disappointment that I fell on, on April 20th had, had washed away by then. So sometimes it takes a couple months to, uh, to be able to see those things, but they always come in my experience. Oh, I love it so much. And it's such a good example of you win or you learn. And also, you it never is. really know what's good news or bad news, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard in the moment to like trust it. And I definitely, I wouldn't say I was totally successful at trusting that timing factor when I got that news on April 10th, but it only took me a few days to kind of come around and say, okay, clearly it's not meant to be, it's not meant to come out on the 20th. Um, and then again, I had these four beautiful months with, or five almost beautiful months with my book to just be with it and just sit with it. And it was funny because having it at that time, cause I had like the finished proof of what the book was going to look like. And I was walking around with it in my purse and my friends started joking that it was my, my book baby because <laughs> I was treating it like a baby because I was carrying it around all the time. Like I wouldn't leave my house without it. And every time I saw a friend, I would take it out of my purse and say, here's my book. Isn't it beautiful? Can I take your photo with it? And as you would with like a newborn or something. Right. And I was just, and if some, I remember once I was having coffee with a friend and they like set their cup down on it. And I was like, come on, be gentle. It's a new book. And it was kind of funny because really it, in a way it was because, and I kind of consider those between April and August, the time that it was like gestating, you know what I mean? Like that was the time where, my book was really became a really deep integrated part of me as opposed to just this sort of like art project I was working on. So. Oh, that's so great. 
Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I love in particular about the book is the recipes that you included and how they relate to the stories you tell. And I feel like you did such a great job of drawing me as the reader into the story by stimulating so many of my senses. And I'm sure that it must be a universal thing, but memories of food for me can be filled with emotional charge because tasting something or smelling something can take you immediately back to a certain time or place. And when I was reading the part of the book about how you became, quote, the girl who cooks your mother's famous recipe. Um, And then the recipe you included with that story was Grandma Anne's pierogi. I had an emotional reaction to it because that story felt familiar to me. I, it reminded me of my own grandmother. And when mm. she was cooking in the kitchen, she was Hungarian and she would make oh. um, cabbage rolls. And then, so when I was having that memory and that thought, I looked on the map and Hungary is right next to the Ukraine. And then it made, yeah. me feel, <laughs> it made me feel this like even more intense sisterhood with you, which of course I already felt, but that was like, oh, that's so special. And then it also just created this, like space for me where I was like, that's so cool that the way you shared this story mixed with the recipes can create such a strong emotional response for me and memory for me. And obviously it's your story and what's going on for you. But I just thought it was powerful that you can draw me in as the reader and create my own stuff and like bring up my own stuff. Um, So I'm wondering if when you were sharing the story or when people have been reacting to the book, have other people shared that they're having similar experiences with these recipes? Yeah, um, thanks so much for saying that again, Peggy. I know you read a lot, so that really does mean a lot to me that it was it impacted you on an emotional level, not just on a like, ah, oh, this is a great book level. Um, and that was certainly one of my goals because all of my favorite memoirs by all of my favorite authors, that's how that's why I love them so much, is because I feel like I'm with them, like. Um, Cheryl Strayed Wild. Like, I feel like I'm walking that path with her because she's so descriptive and so raw. And um, I certainly have had some very positive feedback for the book. Um, one of the responses I got um, was from the chapter about Nancy when I'm sitting in the cafe with Nancy. It's in section three, I believe. Um, someone messaged me and said that they couldn't actually finish that chapter in one sitting because it just felt like they were sitting in the cafe with us while we were having that conversation. And it's interesting because when I look back at when I was writing that chapter, I also had to write it in stages. I couldn't write it in one sitting because it was so heavy. And um, it was, that was, that one really touched my heart. Um, The pierogi recipe also means a lot to me and my family. And my dad doesn't have a uh, social media at all. So he doesn't see all the feedback of people making the pierogi and posting about the pierogi and all that. So I actually send him every time someone posts, I screenshot it and send it to him. And uh, I can tell his response, like his last one, he said like, oh, my, gra- my mom, Mama Ann would be, uh, you know, looking down and smiling. And um, that just means, I can't even describe how much that means to me to, to take my family heritage in a way that um, other people are making those recipes in their kitchens. Like it feels so uh, full circle for me now that the book is out in the world. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little emotional here, but I love it. It, I feels, love it. It, it feels so full circle that people are now cooking these recipes and sharing them with their own families. And um, my dad's pizza is another one. Like he's my dad's a man of few words and not, definitely not a crier, but. I saw some tears fall from his eyes when he saw that book, when he saw that recipe in print, you know, 
Um, so yeah, it is, it is very meaningful. And I, one of the reasons I included the recipes aside from being a chef and really wanting to include like my love of food with my love of words is because who doesn't love a good cookbook, but also I thought I would add some lightness to the story. So, um, some of the, some of the chapters, they, they do get, um, a little, maybe, maybe hard to read for people. Right. And, uh, by including a food memory in that, I find it, it, it makes this feeling of relatability on a different level other than just like trauma and sadness and heaviness. Um, and then the recipe that follows is kind of like a break in the book. So it's kind of like, um, you know, when you're watching a good movie and there's like that character in the movie that's like kind of funny and inserts a joke, it's almost like that. Um, but I didn't actually decide that I wanted to add recipes until about halfway through the book writing process. And as soon as I figured that out, I was like, it's genius. This is going to be the part of the book that allows people to get through it. Yeah. It's so, <laughs> you know? it's so, right. You can take a breath and before you move on to yeah. the next piece and it very, it's, as I just stated with my story, it's so relatable and I haven't yeah. had a chance to make the recipe yet, but it's on my list of things to do because I'm oh, now awesome. I'm inspired to make the pierogi. So I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, please do. Please do. I'll send it to my dad. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, also, I love the story that um, I think you've mentioned it on social media about having to track down your friend Pedro and the recipe mm. of the orange cake. So can you give us like a yeah. quick review of the, of the orange cake and what it meant and, sure. then, and then finding the recipe? Sure. So that's definitely one. That was the recipe actually that made me decide I was going to put recipes in the book because I kept thinking. Um, so the story of Pedro, he's a man that I met when I was traveling in Portugal. It was the first trip I'd taken on my own um, in like seven years. It was this like for my 30th birthday, it was this big adventure. I met this man named Pedro. He was this like mysterious guitar playing Portuguese man. And he invited me to this bar and it ended up being this epic night where he sang me happy birthday on stage. And um, the next day I woke up obviously a little bit, a little bit rough around the edges because the Portuguese people, they love their wine. Mm -hmm. And, uh, he tried to feed me this, this cake, this weird orange cake. And it, I just was like, no, I don't want, I don't want cake. Like that's the last thing I want for breakfast right now. And he, he sort of insisted and I took a bite of this cake and it kind of like honestly changed my life. I know that sounds crazy, but when people read the chapter, they'll know because I was going through this sort of breakup with food at the time because um, the memories of my restaurant really caused me to not want to cook or eat or really enjoy food at all. So taking a bite of this cake was really impactful on my, on my journey, on, on my story. So fast forward to me writing that chapter down, um, I realized, hey, how awesome would it be if after this chapter I include the recipe for that, that orange cake? The problem is, is Pedro uh, is, he was probably in his 60s, I'd say, maybe 70s. And he, um, he, he I, I saw his house because I stayed there the night after this bar and he didn't have a computer. He didn't have a phone. Whenever I would say, oh, can we meet up for coffee? He'd say, oh, sure, meet me at so-and-so at one o'clock. And I'd say, okay, can I text you when I leave? And he said, <laughs> like, text, what is text? Um, so he was just kind of living in the dark ages, right? But he was just the happiest, most jovial uh person I've ever met. So I knew he was like technologically not reachable. So I kind of let it go for a bit, but I kept coming back to it. And I kept saying like, Oh, I really want to include this recipe. I found some recipes online for like Portuguese orange cake, made them. They weren't the same. It's like, I need Pedro's recipe. So in the end, I 
like basically like private investigative how to find Pedro. <laughs> and it resulted in me, um, this is keep in mind, like almost two years after we met. Yeah. Um, probably he doesn't even remember who I am. He needs tons of travelers. Um, but I contacted the Airbnb that I stayed at, which was a feat in itself because they weren't on Airbnb anymore, but I had some emails and some threads and I found them on Facebook. And then I contacted them and said, Hey, I stayed with you in February, 2018. Like, do you know, like a guy named Pedro? And they said, <laughs> of course we know Pedro because I was, it was in this small town and um, everyone knew Pedro when we were, when we would be walking through towns together, everybody would be waving and saying hello. So that person ended up sort of begrudgingly agreed to track down Pedro for me. And then we had picked a date and time and they got him to a library because they also didn't have a computer. And the story downloaded... is so wild, Yoda. I love it so much. <laughs> they, they downloaded Skype, showed him how to use it. And then keep in mind, I am on the other end on my computer, sitting on Skype, patiently waiting. And I'm like, they're not, he's never going to show up to this like meeting. Um, anyways, like 20 minutes later, my screen lights up. Pedro is there. He remembers me, thankfully. And we start talking and I tell him, I say, I'd really like your orange cake recipe to include in my book. I tell him all about the book. And the first thing he says is no. <laughs> <laughs> so at first he says, at first he laughs it off and says no. And I'm thinking, do you know what I had to do to get a hold of you? Um, but he just, he was kind of like, didn't understand why I wanted the recipe. So I ended up reading him the chapter. And then he realized how, why I wanted it and, and how he didn't realize how much that bite of cake had impacted me. Right. So of course he agreed in the end and his recipe, his version of the recipe, uh, he said things like, um, heat a pot of oil on the back of your stove and throw in the skin of four oranges overnight. And I was like, you want me to heat oil? stove overnight like we don't do that here also like that's very unsafe and he was like no no it will be fine and I was like um I'm gonna leave that part out I'm gonna say to just do it for 20 minutes or so like it was just so funny the Portuguese way is is something I just fell in love with and his recipe just fit into that so perfectly so oh my goodness I can't stop smiling that story is so good <laughs> And I, I love that you shared it like that because when people, if they haven't read the book, when they read it now, we'll have that as, as the backstory. It's yeah. pretty neat. Yeah. Um, it's one, it's one of my favorite stories. So cool. Well, and also speaking of um, parts of the book that I loved, there's one mm -hmm. paragraph on page 173 that was just perfectly sad and beautiful. And it was when you were telling the story of the last day in the restaurant and Sarah mm -hmm. was making a melon gazpacho and Brandon was making a curry. And I would love it if you would yep. read that paragraph for our listeners. Certainly. I watched as Sarah created a beautiful, refined mixed melon gazpacho. She added mint from our patio, then she strained it over and over until it was finally as smooth as cream. She used the techniques I had taught her. She asked all the right questions, and she anxiously awaited approval, approval when I tasted it. Brandon made a rustic green curry with zucchini and potatoes. He always did his best when we cooked without rules or recipes. His curry was mild and sweet and tasted like love and mourning. As they both buzzed around the kitchen, 
checking in on me and cooking away. I felt a brief sense of peace wash over me. I knew deep in my heart that they would both be okay. There was ease in that moment. And for a minute, I allowed myself to feel proud of them. You can feel the heaviness and the significance of that last day and the heartbreak you must have mm -hmm. felt having to say goodbye to your kitchen team. So it was like, when I was reading the book, I remember reading this paragraph and then like looking up to see what page is this because I need to come back to this page. Cause, and I don't do that very often with books, but every once in a while I'll be like, tell me the page and re brain remember yeah. it. The line that got me the most, and I don't know why, but was, he always did his best when he cooked without rules or recipes. His curry was mild and sweet and tasted like love and mourning. So oh, good. <laughs> it's so, it's been so cool to hear uh, people do send me like their favorite page numbers and quotes and stuff. And that's yeah. been my favorite part of the um, aftermath, I guess, of, of writing the book. And um, yeah, that, that chapter was real hard to write. So it definitely means a lot that uh, that, that particular moment people can really like feel it, you know, yeah. so. Yeah. Um, and speaking of the aftermath, this book has been getting a lot of love in the news and on the internet and on the Amazon. Yes, yes. it's, uh, it's, I mean, I'll tell you the great news that I just found out. Uh, we've love sold 5,000 copies, which means I'm Yoda, eligible for- congratulations. A, I'm, I'm eligible for a hardcover print now, which I just found out the other day. And uh, it feels unfriggin' real to oh have that gosh. number amazing. in a month. Yeah. Good for you, that's so amazing, congratulations. Thank you so much, yeah. Well, I want to um, share for our listeners, I think they've gotten a sense of how much I love the book, but I just wanna <laughs> give them a couple of the reviews off of Amazon, so it's not just me sure. how good it is. Yeah. Um, a lot of these reviews use the words, I could not put this book down. And that was my experience too. So it's compelling. It's amazing. Here's one. I could not put this book down. It was so authentic and raw. The author's story through a tumultuous journey to find herself, find her passion and to find self-love. Buy it, read it, make the recipes and eat. Oh, I love that. Another one says, this book is a must read. It is so good. You just cannot put it down. The lessons shared were so powerful. I had to read the entire book within 24 hours. That was me too. Her stories about resiliency, trauma, and love helped me greatly and taught me valuable lessons, especially about love and forgiveness. The recipes shared throughout are priceless, and it was nice to understand what helped mold her into the strong, amazing woman she is today. I cannot wait for her next book. Oh, wow. I haven't seen these reviews, Peggy. So that's so <laughs> nice. Wow. Well, well deserved. And speaking of your next book, you teased mm. something in about this in the last part of Salt and Sour. <laughs> so I'm wondering, and I'm sure our listeners are too, do you have something in the works? I have the most insane I don't want to use the word impossible because nothing is impossible, but I have a really crazy idea for my second book. Uh, I'm, I'm seeking out traditional publishing for my second book because, well, mostly because I've done the, the self-publishing route and I'm eager to get back into the kitchen is my okay. thing is as much as I've loved the last month, I took a month off from my catering business to do the launch. And as much as I've loved that and I've loved uh, saving time and space for all of that. I'm eager to get back into cooking and, um, which is, makes me just feel so lucky that I have two things, not one, but two things that I love so much that I just can't wait to do. Um, but my idea for my second book, it is, uh, like percolating is the word that I would use. It okay. is 
sort of on the side of my brain at all times. I keep a little notebook and every time I have an idea, I write it down because um, I know there's like an app on your phone for that, but I'm a big fan of like the handwriting. So I keep a little notebook. It comes in my purse with me. I, yesterday I stopped my car twice to scribble down an idea that I had that I couldn't like wait because I knew it would be gone if I waited. And so, yeah, there's definitely an idea of percolating. Um, it is related to the little teaser that I gave in the, in the last couple last few pages of the book. And uh, I don't know. Um, the process I'm sure will be very different, uh, but I am looking forward to implementing that get up an hour earlier every single day and write. I'll probably actually be implementing that soon in my life because the idea feels so strong and on the forefront right now that I want to sort of start getting it down. But I also don't want to be too overzealous. Like I'm still riding the roller coaster of book one and I'm kind of right at the top, right at the peak right now. So I definitely don't want to rush anything and I want to really enjoy salt and sour and being with it and um, also being in, back in my kitchen and everything too, so. Amazing. Yeah. All right, well, Yoda, thanks so much for being here and sharing your voice, both here on the podcast and also through this book. Um, it really is a beautiful creation and I'm so excited for you that it's out in the world. Congratulations again. Thank you so much for having me back. It was really fun to talk to you today, Peggy. And also before you go, I'm sure our listeners will be excited to read this book. So where can they get a copy? So you can get a copy direct from me if you want an autograph. I know that's the route you went, Peggy. So I signed the inside obviously, of your book for you. Obviously. So yes, yeah, so that ships, um, you can get, you can get that shipped anywhere. It's uh, www.saltandsourbook.com. As mentioned before, you can also get it on any Amazon, any form of Amazon. There's also a bunch of local retailers here. I'm sure a lot of your listeners, uh, some of them live in the area. So you can get it at Pretty Natural here in London, Brown and Dixon. You can also get it at uh, Zenfire uh, Pottery in St. Mary's and Got It Made in Stratford. There's a whole list of local retailers uh, on my website, saltandsourbook.com as well. Awesome. And uh, where can our listeners find you on the interwebs if they want to follow along with what's next for you or if they just want to come and say hi? So you can do all of that on Instagram. It's the best way. I'm on Facebook as well, but much more active on Instagram. It's at Yoda's Words. And then if you want to follow my um chef life it's at yoda's kitchen all right i'm sure people will be coming to find you all right thank you awesome. again for being here so much thank you so much all right and that's it for this episode of the improvement project a big thank you to our special guest chef and published author yoda for questions or comments send an email to the improvement project at drpeggymalone.com you can come and say hi on the socials jenny is on twitter at jake house and i'm on instagram at drpeggymalone you can always get our attention by using the hashtag the improvement project as usual, you'll find all the resources and links that we mentioned during today's show in the show notes at theimprovementproject.com. If this episode was helpful at all for you, please be sure to tell a friend and share it with them. This is the number one way that our new listeners find pot our podcast. So if you found it helpful or entertaining, pass it on. We also have a Facebook group. Search for The Improvement Project on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next time, stay focused and get after it.
Thanks so much for listening right until the end. Jenny and I talk regularly about the habit of gratitude on the podcast, and I know how much it's been a game changer for me, and I wanted to help you to find gratitude in your own life. So I've created a free resource. It is called Gratitude is Your Superpower, Especially When It Feels Like Everything Sucks. And it's a little mini course that's absolutely free. And if you go to gratitude.drpeggymalone.com, you can download it and start feeling more grateful right now. Again, it's gratitude.drpeggymalone.com. Thanks so much for listening.